Welcome to the Heavy Metal Strength Coach Podcast. Welcome to the first episode of the Heavy Metal Strength Coach Podcast. In this new format, we're going to be splitting everything into 10 episodes. Um, each episode will be covering a different subject. So today's episode is going to be discussing the topic of pregnancy and everything that goes around that. Other topics in this season on uh, different episodes are going to include powerlifting, nutrition, psychology, mental health, rehab, my clients, my mentors, maybe some music some other kinds of training methodologies, and even some business stuff. This is a, an opportunity for me to explore the subjects that I want to explore um, without having to um, answer to anyone else. I can just massage my own ego in this way, um, and hopefully you're going to get a lot out of it. So today we're going to be talking with Gina Connolly, uh, who was kind enough to join us for this first episode. I'm sure you're going to love it. I'll see you on the other side. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Heavy Metal Strength Coach podcast. I'm your host, the Heavy Metal Strength Coach, and it brings me great pleasure to um, announce my guest, uh, Gina Connolly. Now, Gina is a master in uh, exercise science. Uh, she is the head coach of Mama Stay Fit. She is a birth doula, uh, the proud mama of two children. I believe two children, Gina. Yes, two yes. kids. Um, and a U.S. Army veteran uh, with combat deployment in Afghanistan. Uh, Gina, have I got that about right? Yes, that, that's pretty much me. Okay. Um, so, Gina, just tell me about um, your origins um, as a strength coach, as a uh, birth doula. How did you get into this field originally? So, after I became pregnant with my daughter, my husband and I decided that I would transition out of the military. So, trying to figure out what I was going to do after the military that would still allow me to still kind of contribute towards society in my own way. Um, motherhood is definitely a wonderful journey and um, something that's, re that's really important and really love doing, but I still needed something that was just for Gina. Yeah. So... We started exploring different job options. I actually tr try to go back to school to get my master's in computer science, which I have zero background in, and it, it proved to be a huge headache of mine, and I didn't enjoy it at all. And realized that I, where I really wanted to be was doing fitness stuff. So when I was in Afghanistan, I was training um, female host nation soldiers. And a lot of the stuff that I was doing with them was preparing them to physically be able to do the same mission that I was. Yeah. And so it yeah. kind of made sense based on the phase of life that I was in that I would start to transition towards training prenatal and postpartum women. Mm -hmm. And I happened to find a gym in my area that allowed me to do my programming in their facility for pretty much nothing and super grateful for that opportunity. And he also allowed me to have kids be in the gym. Yeah. which was like huge for me because the one thing that was really hard about working out postpartum was what do I do with my kid? Like, I don't want to put my baby in a daycare. And so that kind of became like my business model was you can bring your kid with you 
and work out in a way that's going to help support your healing process in the postpartum, but also provide an example or demonstrate to your child, like, this is what being healthy looks like. This is what enjoying fitness looks like. And what ended up happening was you'd have these toddlers that would start copying their moms. And it became like very much this like really fun environment for moms to come and work out and heal in the postpartum period and get stronger and learn how to lift weights. Um, and then also during pregnancy to prepare for all of that. Um, after doing it for a few months, one of my doula or one of my prenatal clients who was actually pregnant with twins asked me to be her doula. Um, which was something that I had considered, but hadn't quite reached a point in my business where I could just randomly leave to go attend a birth. Like being a birth doula is like a lot of on-call stuff. So if I had to suddenly leave to go to a birth, I needed another coach that could help sub my classes for me. I didn't want to just leave my fitness clients high and dry. So I ended up taking on another coach who actually became a birth doula with me. So we became each other's backups. And I ended up supporting this woman's birth in addition to a whole bunch of others because a local doula who was actually my doula for my first birth, um, her father got really sick and she needed someone to back up her births for her. And so um, in an unfortunate circumstance, I found myself being able to support a whole lot of births that I wouldn't have normally had exposure to as such a new doula. And so I was able to get a lot of experience very quickly under my belt. And then with my fitness clients who are all pregnant, they started asking me to also be their doulas. Um, so after a few months of attending births and really trying to be very observant of how women were laboring and what was kind of happening, they kind of take all that education in and then also experimenting. Um, I think sometimes when we're professionals, we're afraid to do something that may make us look like we're wrong or we don't know what we're talking about. But it's such a good opportunity to learn is to experiment and to be okay with, okay, that didn't work. Let's not do that again. Yeah. And so that was something that I would do during birth. So I'd be like, hey, let's try this movement and see what happens. Like, oh, that actually worked really well. We're going to do that again. Or that was horrible. We're never going to do that again. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> and so I approached birth by being very observant with how women were laboring. And that's when I started to put things together of, oh, when a woman's moving like this, it means that baby is here. This is the position that baby is in. Or And so by, under, by observing, I was able to learn a whole lot more about what was happening in the pelvis and what was happening with baby as they were rotating during labor in a way that I wouldn't have been able to by just reading books. But then I also took a bunch of courses and was reading a whole bunch to kind of put everything together. And then my master's degree really kind of tied in to all of this. So I had all the prenatal fitness stuff that I've been developing. I just finished my second pregnancy. So I did my programming through my whole pregnancy and just kind of tweaked it from there. I have all my experience of witnessing women birth and supporting them. Um, and now I have the postpartum is, I mean, I've been postpartum twice now. So now I have my postpartum programming that I've de developed. So it's a pretty like um, full spectrum support that I'm able to offer um, just by being willing to learn and just kind of like luck. Just There's been a lot of luck in my opportunities. Um, so now we're in our own space. We have our own gym um, that has, it's been really awesome to be there. We have a chiropractor in the facility and we also have a pelt for PT um, that's in there as well. So we have tons of support within our facility to all support women in this phase of life. 
I wish I was everywhere. Unfortunately, I'm only in North Carolina here in the United States. Um, but it's it's been a really fun journey, and I've been really excited to see how much it's grown in just like three years. Yeah. Um, so for those that might not be familiar with what a birth doula is, um, could you just give um, a brief outline of um, what that is, um, what it involves, um, and why um, someone might want to... Um, purchase one, be involved in one or something like that? So what a birth doula is, is I'm essentially a labor coach. So I'm like your coach during birth to help you understand what type of movements might be really helpful or to understand what type, what the birth options are for your intervention. So the woman that is laboring is going to be the smartest person in the room about her own labor experience, whether or not she believes it. I would Obviously, I can't speak for every doula because every doula is going to be a little bit different, just like every other profession. But for me, as a doula, I'm trying to help the woman understand that she is the smartest person in the room and to enhance the movements that she's already doing. So before someone gets an epidural or if they choose to come go completely unmedicated, they're going to move in an intuitive way to help baby descend. And so for me as a doula, I'm trying to watch that so I can kind of communicate, hey, this is what you're doing. Isn't that awesome to the woman? And then also enhancing that movement with my own knowledge of birth. Because I'm the doula, I am, I'm not emotionally attached to the experience because it's not my baby. Not that I don't care for yep. the person and for their baby. I'm not emotionally invested in it. So I'm able to kind of look at things a little bit more like objectively as opposed to being kind of emotionally driven by the decisions that are being made. So if a provider or doctor comes in and says, we need to do a C-section right now because you're not making any progress. Like, well, that's not really an emergent situation. But if I was a family member being told this, I would be panicking and trying to make decisions based on a lot of emotions. So this is where a doula could step in and kind of help bring things back to like, a rational mind to be like, hey, like, this is the information that you've been told. What other information do we need before you make a decision on something? Um, so a doula can kind of be the objective, like, hey, everyone calm down <laughs> uh, before we start freaking out person. Um, the other thing is, even though the woman is the most knowledgeable about her own birth experience, a doula is knowledgeable about birth in general. So they're gonna understand like kind of what is available for you in a hospital, like what's available for you in the birth center. So your specific birthing location, because they tend to have supported multiple births in the various locations that people wanna deliver. And so they're gonna know what options are available to you. So if the doctor comes in and says, I'm gonna do this to you, the doula can be like, actually you have these three other options too. Do those sound better to you? Um, so a doula is going to help facilitate communication. Not that the staff is like ever out to get you or trying to ruin your experience. They're just used to doing things in a certain way. Um, so most people just want, will just accept things are done in this way. Um, and so a doula can be really helpful in providing you all of your options and helping you kind of understand what questions to ask, like what other information do you need before you make a decision kind of thing. Um, a doula can help your partner know what to do. So for most of us, the first time we experience birth is our own births. Um, and so our partners sometimes have a hard time knowing what to do. Not that they don't want to help. They're just like, how do I make you feel better? <laughs> like, what do I do? And so this is where a doula can be really helpful to kind of be like the little, like the whisper in the ear of like, hey, stand there and let her lean on you or squeeze her hips or do this. And so we can kind of guide the partner to be the primary support giver by giving right. them the information right. and the tools to do it. 
Are there any common mistakes that partners make? Um, well, I mean, this is definitely um, a personal question for me, so I don't make these mistakes. <laughs> um, usually what I see is partners are just kind of overwhelmed and like confused on what to do. And so they just kind of step back and almost like hide in a yeah. way because they don't want to do something to make it worse, but they don't know what to do to make it better. And so they they're, they tend to think like, well, if I just don't do anything, then that that I can't make it worse than it already is. Yeah. Um, or they try to do something and it's like they're touching in the wrong way or it's usually just like not knowing what to do causes them to just kind of retreat and be like, ah, I don't know. Or if the provider asks like or offers intervention, then the partner's like, yeah, let's do that because that might make you feel better. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, oh, hang on, let me try this other stuff first so I can see if that helps. And so not that the partner doesn't want to help, sometimes just don't know what to do. And then usually it results in like almost hiding. <laughs> so will you often find that you're, um almost coaching the partner oh there we go uh coaching the partner as well as the mother as well yes yeah, so the mom is already going to be doing her own thing yep. and then it's just kind of up to me and the partner to help support her in the way that she needs to be supported and so for me as a doula i want the partner to be the primary support giver because i did not make this baby with this woman yep. i would hope that the relationship between the birthing person and her partner is the strongest relationship. And I've seen like when the partner is really supportive during birth in the postpartum period or right after the birth, the mom looks back on it and is like, oh my God, I couldn't have done it without him. Thank God he was there. Um, as opposed to being like, oh my God, I couldn't have done it without Gina. Like if Gina wasn't there, I don't know what I would. So it's like, yeah, I want to be important, but me being important is not as crucial to someone's like beginning of parenthood together. Um. So, how long does it take um, a doula um, or yourself um, to create an effective relationship with um, your your client, the women that you're working with, and has that changed as you've gained more experience? Um, so, I think it depends on the person. Um, so, some clients I could walk in and it's like we've been best friends for like decades and it seems very natural and then sometimes it's a little bit more awkward at first um but for most of my clients i do find the ones that i meet several times throughout their pregnancy and that are also my fitness clients i tend to have the best relationships with for obvious reasons because i'm seeing them all the time um so that's what's the beauty about being able to also be someone's prenatal fitness trainer and their doula is i'm seeing them multiple times a week throughout their entire pregnancy um, and so we're really able to develop like a really good friendship with one another. Um, but I've also had clients that I've only met once or twice um, before their births and I show up and it's still is, it's still great um, with them. Yeah. So I think it really varies based on personality. Yeah. As you're training um, people uh, in the gym, can you spot themes or traits in them that might help you uh, when they are in labor? So the one thing about prenatal fitness that I find to be the most beneficial is using it as an opportunity to give yourself some grace. So working out during pregnancy is not going to be the same as it was pre-pregnancy and it won't be the same as it will be when you're postpartum and beyond that. It's just like short phase of life that 
we need to be okay with things not being perfect. So not lifting as heavy as we did before, not running as fast or as long as we did before, maybe having to stop during the workout because we're a little bit more tired or modifying a movement that we were really hoping to do. So like, I really want to do like deadlifts today, but my belly's just in the way or I'm just not feeling it. So I'm going to modify and give myself some grace and do like kettlebell deadlifts instead. So Prio fitness is a really good opportunity to start entering that mental state of I'm going to take it as it is. And if I get to do what I want to do, that's awesome. If I don't, I'm going to adapt and move on to something else and not be stressed out or like frustrated by it. And so that when we move into labor, that kind of mindset can continue where it's like, maybe my labor is going to go exactly as I want it to, or maybe I'm going to, going to hit some like hiccups here and there where I'm going to have to adapt and change kind of my plan. Um, and so that's where like fitness can really, the way that I approach female fitness can really complement birth is kind of going with this like very relaxed, like I'm going to take it as it is. I'm still going to enjoy the process and work hard through it, but if it doesn't go exactly how I want, I'm going to adapt and modify and it's going to be fine. And I'm going to continue to reap the benefits of my fitness. I'm going to continue to reap the benefits of my labor by getting to meet my baby in the end. Yeah. Um, so, so mindset is like huge for both phases. Um, and I find that really focusing on it during on the pre fitness side is really, really helped for. Mm -hmm. uh, my partner, before she found your Instagram page, um, so in our first trimester, um, the weights that she was lifting were going uh, massively down. Um, she was told that shouldn't bench press whatsoever, for example. Um, there were no real coping strategies for how she was going to train and that resulted in a lot of guilt that she was having to um, go a lot lighter i mean um she's got powerlifting records and suddenly that was taken away and then she found your stuff and found uh, that you can work around it and there's still exercises that some people say you can't do but you actually can do you find this is quite a common thing and is guilt about performance something that you see quite a lot in women um, that have come from a strength training background I definitely find guilt is something that comes along with anybody that has has had any sort of like routine fitness before pregnancy, yeah. um, especially like athletes. So used to performing at a certain level and achieving certain milestones during their workouts and um, during competitions and suddenly not achieving those anymore. So it, I tend to find it to be more of an issue, quote unquote, for people who kind of identify themselves as an athlete. So their identity is kind of um is really a part of how they perform like physically so once we can kind of step back and be like hey like who i am as a person is not how i perform like in the weight room and it's okay if i don't lift as heavy i'm still an awesome person like the better but it's hard to do that at first when all you've done for years is fitness and this is how i define my success as a person um what was the other part of the question? <laughs> no, I, I, I actually can't remember right now. Um, just oh, I got it. If it was I remember <laughs> So the types of recommendations that women receive in regards to fitness throughout pregnancy is like all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is from fear. So like we're asking people whose expertise is not fitness to give us advice on fitness. So we're asking like our OB or midwife to give us fitness expertise. Like, well, I wouldn't go to my dentist and ask for like fitness advice. Like I wouldn't go to like really any doctor and ask for fitness advice because that's not their expertise. Like I would go to them if I had like a medical problem. 
Um, so we're, we're expecting our OBs to be experts on fitness and that's not really super accurate. And so because fitness is such a scary thing and something that they don't understand, like the recommendation is going to be very like on the safe side, almost to the point of like, I mean, decades ago, it was don't even exercise, don't leave your bed, like, otherwise, you're gonna harm the baby kind of thing. And then it was like, well, don't lift anything more than 30 pounds. It's like, well, there's a lot of things during my day that I lift that are more than 30 pounds, like my toddler, should I not lift her my whole pregnancy? Um, and so like lifting weights is like really scary. Like you can walk, but don't lift weights, don't do anything strenuous. And now we're finding with research that well, actually resistance training is incredibly beneficial throughout pregnancy and you don't have to be scared of it. Like you don't want to do it like an idiot, just like any person does. Like you don't want to lift with poor form, just like anyone shouldn't lift with poor form, but especially during pregnancy, because our ability to stabilize is a lot more compromised. The way that we like distribute force is different throughout pregnancy, which is our general physiology of our musculoskeletal system is different throughout pregnancy. So there are modifications that we need to make, but we don't need to be as cautious as maybe is led to believe. Yeah. How, in, uh, how much of a concern is coning um, in relation to resistance training while pregnant? So coning is when the center of the abdomen, so we have a connective tissue that runs down the center of the abdomen between the two rectus abdominis muscles, so our six-pack abs. Coning is when the pressure within the abdominal cavity exceeds the capacity of that tissue and pushes it out. So it kind of like the center pushes out more than the rest of the abdomen. The reason why coning tends to be an issue is that it is causing more damage to that lineal to that connective tissue. So this tissue is already becoming stretched and thin throughout pregnancy, causing a diastasis, which is super normal. It's necessary for our baby to grow. Um, but the more that we kind of push and stretch and continue to like make this tissue even thinner than it already is, the more damage it's going to be and the harder it may be to heal in the postpartum. Mm -hmm. So movements that I tend to see coning in is like overhead movements. Essentially, as someone is pressing overhead, they arch in their back or thrust their ribs upward, kind of stretching that abdomen a little bit more. So it's kind of a compensation pattern. Weight's too heavy we arch in our back to kind of thrust the bar overhead. Um, so usually it's overhead movements that I'll see coning, like pull up or like vertical pull type movements. I see coning is same thing, kind of arching in the back. Um, so any movements where the back tends to arch seems to cause coning in, in like lifting specifically. I don't tend to see a lot of coning in like squatting or deadlifting. Um, no, I don't really see a ton in bench press, but if you were really arching bad, you probably would. Um, and then rowing movements I tend not to see. So it's really those overhead pressing movements and vertical pull type movements. So vertical push and pull are the two types of movements that I tend to see coning. Um, and then if someone was rowing, like using like the ski, the, the concept two rower, when they pull back, so they're leaning backwards and putting a lot of strain on the abdomen, we tend to see a lot of coning. But so ultimately we want to try to avoid it as much as possible. If it happens, it's okay. It's not gonna harm the mother or the baby, um, it just will make healing harder in the postpartum if it happens all the time. Okay. Um, we mentioned um, the word uh, fear earlier. Um, how important is it to um, not be afraid throughout labor and how important is relaxation, especially, um, is, sorry, and throughout pregnancy? Um, how important is being relaxed um, throughout your pregnancy and uh, can it make labor easier? 
So definitely being a little bit more relaxed and less fearful about things is huge throughout pregnancy and into labor. Um, when we're in a sh more stressed out state, it just kind of releases different types of hormones into our system. Um, our physiology is a little bit different when we're stressed out, which could or could not like potentially like be not harmful, but not super beneficial for baby, but especially when it comes to labor. So when we are afraid, we will not go into labor. Um, like when animals are like suddenly meet something that they're fearful of, they'll like stop their labors and they'll retreat somewhere where they think that they're safe. And so it's the same for like women, like human people is if we feel safe and supported, then we're going to go into our go, our labor is going to go so much smoother. The hormones are going to be released more optimally. Um, we're not going to have any issues throughout labor in regards to like our own progress. When we are afraid of something, then we tend to stall. So usually what I'll see is someone's mother had a really bad labor experience and she's afraid she's gonna have the same experience or she had a previous traumatic birth experience that she's afraid is gonna happen again. Um, the other thing will be that someone just doesn't know what to expect. And when we don't understand things, we're very afraid of them. So the more education that someone can receive on, this is what happens during birth. Like, this is the science of it. This is how your uterus contracts. This is what's happening. The less scary it is, because you're like, oh, well, it's not this mysterious, like, mystical thing that occurs to my body just randomly. Like, there's a science to it. And if I can understand that, I don't have to be quite as afraid of it. Mm -hmm. um, do you think mothers um, are becoming more and more educated about labor? Um, or has it, has it always been um, something that women have looked into a lot? I don't... I, I'm not sure if like more women than like before have are more educated on their birth or what labor is. I think the opportunities are more readily available now that we have like the internet and all these online courses and like every hospital offers a course. Um, I, I think looking at birth from a, phys a physiological standpoint is like kind of a newer thing. Mm -hmm. um, probably within like the past, like probably within the past decade. Yeah. Like back in like the 19 or early 1900s, 1800s, like at least in the United States, like most births were at home. And so people had a lot of exposure to like what birth looked like, what normal birth looked like. And now like most birth in the United States is in the hospital. I'm not sure if it's the same for you all over there. Um, but I, want, I think like over 90% of births are done in the hospital. And so birth has like a particular way of looking now that's very medicalized. And so even people that support birth all the time in the hospital don't always know what physiological birth looks like. Like what does birth look like when no one interferes with it? Yeah. Um, so like in the hospital, like the doctor will come in the room, like maybe twice, like once to introduce themselves. And then like, if they have any specific recommendations to make based on what they're seeing on the monitor and then to help catch the baby when the baby's born, will be like the time the doctor's in the room. So they're never like watching someone labor. They're not watching, like, they're not witnessing what labor actually looks like, even if somebody's unmedicated. And then it's the same with the nurses, at least here in the United States. Like, they'll come in and out of the room more frequently than the doctors, but they're not just, like, sitting in a corner, like, observing and then giving help for somebody. So, like, most of the time in the hospitals, they don't even know what physiological birth looks like or what normal birth even looks like. Um, when you start getting more towards that home birth setting, then, like, the providers in the room and is kind of witnessing the experience and understands like this is what it looks like normally. Um, so I would say like most most women probably don't know what normal birth looks like or what un uninterfered birth looks like. Um, there are more opportunities now to learn 
about it beforehand uh, with like online courses and the internet really connects all of us. I mean, like you found me through social media from England (laughs) and I'm in North Carolina in the United States. Like that would have never happened like a decade ago. (laughs) Um, So I think more women are wanting to be educated on it. Um, I don't know if everyone is educated on it or if more people are than they were like a little bit ago. Um, But the opportunity is there. It's just sometimes it's harder to come by. Um, In recent years, um, the personal training industry has absolutely exploded. There's thousands more coaches than there has um, ever been. Has there been a similar expansion in the amount of doulas uh, and fitness professionals going into that realm um, or not? I'm not sure if there's more doulas than there were before. Um, There was definitely like a lot of doulas and I think it's something that as women reach like childbearing years or have their own babies, realize the importance of, and so some of them will try to become doulas. Doula life is really difficult because it's all on call. You have to have like on-demand childcare. Um, and being on call is just like not a very like sustainable way of life for a long-term period. Uh, for some people it is, but for a lot it's not. So I don't think it's necessarily like a, a super popular calling. Um, I would say like the prenatal postpartum fitness trainer is something that I'm seeing a lot more lately. And I think it ties with a similar thing. Like someone's had a baby, they saw that there was a lack of resources. And so they decided to become that resource themselves. And so there are a lot of like online training courses for pre and postnatal fitness that um, I've taken a few that I was like, what did I just spend my money on? Like, yeah. And then I've taken a few that were phenomenal courses. Um, so are there any phenomenal courses that you want to give a shout out to just in case anyone wants to uh, check them out if there's any coaches listening in? Uh, so Sarah Duvall's um, postpartum or prenatal postpartum corrective exercise specialist course is phenomenal. By far the, the one that I would recommend. We're working on our own as well that I'm kind of dragging my feet on and maybe I'll <laughs> motivate myself to do it here in the near future. Um, but her course is definitely one that I would take in the meantime. Okay, amazing. Um, do you have any top tips for getting back into training postpartum? So when it comes to returning to fitness in the postpartum, it's a very slow, graceful process. And it can be very, very frustrating for anyone who has who is used to working out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to take our time when we return to fitness in the postpartum because we just spent nine to 10 months growing a human being. And there's a lot of changes that were happening in our body, hormonal changes, like a whole lot of physiological changes, like the way that we were standing is different. Our muscular balance is different. So it's really important that we kind of return to fitness in the postpartum as if we were returning from an injury, because essentially we are. Um, And so being very slow with how we return back to lifting, like almost approaching it as if we were a beginner lifter, because movement is going to feel different in our bodies. So what felt super normal pre-pregnancy kind of changed as we were pregnant. And then all of a sudden we lost all this weight with the baby and all the fluids or uterus shrunk. And now movement might feel awkward again. So I would say focus on as if you were a brand new lifter, learning how to relift weights again. Um, So I'll do a lot of like freezing degrees of motion where only certain joints are moving. So for the squat, instead of just starting with a barbell back squat, we'll start with like a kneeling unweighted squat. So only the hip joint or hip joint and knee joint are moving. And then we'll gradually come to like doing it to a box squat. So 
the ankle, knee, and hip joints are all moving, but now we're decreasing the range of motion. All right, now we're gonna do without the box, increase the range of motion a little bit, and now we're gonna add a load. So now we're gonna do a goblet squat to a bench, try that without the bench, do dumbbell squats before we even make it back to the barbell. So in our programming, you don't even touch a barbell for back squats again until week eight, which seems like a really, that's two months of working squats before you even touch a barbell. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's going to be incredibly important is working on your core stabilization. So your body, your torso's ability to maintain its position as your arms and legs do things. That's core stabilization. This is going to be severely compromised in the postpartum period. All the muscles that are part of our deep core stabilization have been stretched and like strained from pregnancy. And so they're kind of in a healing process for a period of time. And so we really need to work on like reconnecting all of these muscles again so they can then stabilize us before we start lifting heavy shit again. Um, the other thing that I'm a pretty big fan on is focusing on myofascial slings. So we have several slings of like muscle and ligaments and tissues and stuff that go from the upper body to the lower body and cross the pelvis. And so these help us with like functional dynamic movement. So we have the anterior oblique sling that's the oblique to opposite adductor. And so that's going to cross that front. That's going to help with like front to inward movement. And then we have the posterior oblique sling, which is on the back, lat to opposite glute. That's going to help with that inward movement towards the back. We have the lateral sling that helps with single leg stability and then deep longitudinal that helps with those like hinging type movements. If we focus on reconnecting all those slings, we find a lot of reconnection in the postpartum and it helps things with like diastasis. So helping heal that in the postpartum. Like um, if you had a C-section, I'm a real big fan of, adding extra emphasis to the anterior oblique sling to help reconnect across that incision because that sling is essentially severed by a c-section yeah um essentially working on all these different slings helps the upper body and the lower body reconnect with itself and we see a whole lot of progress and like feeling of like i feel like myself again in our program because of it yeah. so biggest tips take your time approach lifting lads if you're a beginner so reteach yourself how to lift Focus on that core stabilization and then incorporate myofascial slings to help with reconnection. Okay. Uh, have you got any particular favorite core stabilization exercises that uh, are your go-tos? They're in every program and they are um, good for everyone. Um, so the movements that I, pretty much anything could be a core stabilization exercise. The first thing that I would focus on is just diaphragmatic breathing. So learning how to breathe properly in like in a stationary position. And then you can start adding in some unloaded um, movements. So like dead bugs are a popular one for me. Um, like sideline hip abduction is going to be another one, like bird dog. And then I do a squat rollback that focus where the knees are on the ground and you rock back to maintain pelvic stability. So those are like the four that I include in my warmups mm -hmm. that I sink that breath with. So first we focus on breathing in a stationary position. And then we start sinking that breath to movement, which is huge for stabilization. And then we take that same sinking and now we add a load or a more difficult movement like the squat or deadlift. Excellent. Um, so um, just to take things uh, back to training while um, pregnant, um, what are the main differences in training through each trimester? Um, or is there any so the biggest differences are going to be how big your belly is. That's probably the biggest modifier for us um, when it comes to movement. So I don't necessarily have a winner in the first trimester do this and the second trimester do that because everyone's pregnancy is so unique. 
and how their belly grows is so unique. So as soon as the belly starts to get in the way, that's where we start having a lot of movement modifications. So widening the stance during the squat so that the belly isn't impeding hip flexion. Um, if somebody is uncomfortable being on their back when they're bench pressing, moving towards a more in inclined bench press, but not everyone gets uncomfortable. Some people are totally fine laying on their backs their entire pregnancies. Um, so how we modify movement is really going to depend on the belly. The other thing is certain trimesters are associated with certain levels of like feeling. So first trimester, everyone's incredibly tired, nauseous, just going to the gym is an accomplishment in itself. So the first trimester, like things just might be a little bit slower. Maybe you don't do as many rounds, like you take a lot more rest and that's okay. Second trimester, we have a whole bunch of more energy workouts, maybe are a little bit longer. You're able to like lift a little bit more weights and feel pretty good about it. And then the third trimester, we're starting to taper again. So in our programming, the last about like two months um, are just kind of tapering. Um, volume is kind of lowering. We're kind of moving away from using the barbell and just using like kettlebells or dumbbells to kind of come into that mindset of like, I don't need the barbell to consider myself an athlete. Um, so working on that, that grace mindset that we were talking about before. And then the last like few weeks of our programming are completely focused on labor prep. So tons of squats. We actually have like a relax, relaxation workouts incorporated that are partner uh, focused. So your partner could help you practice your labor comfort techniques and practice like helping you like calm down after like a hard effort um, on the bike or whatever cardio machine you want to do. So throughout pregnancy, it's going to modify based on the size of your belly. Each trimester has a general like effort level that you can do. First trimester is pretty low energy. Um, second trimester, we tend to have a lot more energy into the third. And then towards the end of the third, we're starting to taper because we don't want to be sore when we're in labor. Um, so um, if the mother is healthy and doesn't have any underlying conditions, is it perfectly safe to train sensibly all the way um, up to labor? Yep, yeah, I think so. Um, did you, I believe I saw on Instagram that you trained um the day you gave birth to your second child i might be wrong about that one i did so it was a pretty like low volume like low weighted workout um just some squats and some deadlifts <laughs> the morning that i was in labor and it was pretty early mild labor um but it was just something that helped me keep moving um because i had woken up in labor which was perfect because i got a full night of sleep um, and so just to give myself essentially something to do while I was waiting for things to pick up and to help it pick up with movement, um, just did a mini workout the morning of, which everyone seemed to really love. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was definitely something that, uh, me and my partner spoke about and, uh, um, she can hear me now. Uh, I wonder if she'll be training on the, uh, on the day as well. Uh, did you notice any, um, differences in training between your two, your two children? So my... This previous, this previous pregnancy, I had been in birth doula, been training women for the past like two years um, at that point. And so I had a lot of education and, and I already had a program developed. So it was so much different than my first pregnancy. My first pregnancy, I was still in the army and I was just doing whatever. I, I didn't really know what to do. Um, I tried finding some like prenatal fitness programs, but they were all like, just stretch and like exist for nine months and um <laughs> the workouts were like pretty lame and like i like i was an athlete like i'm like i was a collegiate athlete i was in the military I'm, like i don't 
want to just exist for nine. I want to work out. Like, what do I do? And so I wasn't really finding any program that was made for somebody who liked to work out. Um, so I made it. <laughs> but um, So during my first pregnancy, I would just kind of look up different workouts online and just modify them for what I could do. Um, I was for whatever reason, like very like mindful and conscious of like how I was feeling and like being okay with not doing certain movements, which was really weird for me because I was like notorious for doing these like stupid long workouts because I could and then I would be dead for like four days but I'm like but I did it that was awesome like and so it was like really weird that I for whatever reason when I was pregnant I was suddenly like I'm gonna be very mindful of what I'm doing right now very out of character for me but fortunately I did that (laughs) um so I just kind of would like look up like workouts online and modify them and was like all right well that sounds good um so had no idea what I was doing and fortunately like everything turned out fine and I didn't do anything that was like harmful for myself because I was somewhat like smart about it. Um, and then like come my next postpartum period, I just, same thing, just kind of try to figure out as I went. Um, and then I was like, I am going to find the answers so that I could have them for my next pregnancy and then give them or sell them <laughs> to other women. Um, so second pregnancy is significantly different than my first. Um, didn't have as much pain. Like I had a lot of SI joint pain with the first one that I was just kind of like, I don't really know what to do for this. Now I know the answers. Um, didn't really deal with it, really any sort of prenatal discomfort. Um, felt really amazing, like working up towards my labor. My mindset was a lot different this time because I didn't feel as stressed out about like whatever my workout was. Just felt more prepared overall. Um, so I would say it was a huge difference between the two. My recovery was significantly easier this time. Um, and things just seem a little bit easier now that I'm a little bit more educated on it. And I have the answers. <laughs> um, to me, it seems almost um, irresponsible to recommend just stretching um, while um, pregnant, just because of the, the hormones, the relaxing. Um, would that be something that you would agree with or would just stretching be absolutely fine during pregnancy? I a thousand percent agree that stretching is not the only thing. So there's a balance. Like we want to be both strong and supple. Like we need to be able to have the mobility and range of motion to do things, but we also need to be strong. Pregnancy is a state of instability. There's a whole lot of extra movement that's happening. And so whenever somebody is like, oh, my back hurts or my hip hurts or whatever hurts, the recommendation seems to always be stretch, go to prenatal yoga. I have nothing against prenatal yoga. Like yoga is great. Um, I personally didn't find yoga very great for me during my pregnancy because it was just too much stretching and that's not what I needed. I was already stretched. I needed to be strong. Um, so I think that there is a time and place for stretching and for like specific mobility training that meets your individual needs. So if you do have muscular restriction somewhere, then yes, stretching is going to be beneficial for you. Is stretching going to be beneficial for everyone? No. And I do find that strength training is even more beneficial than stretching. Like if I was going to pick one or the other, I would pick strength training, but we don't have to pick one or the other. We can do both. Um, but I would say definitely more towards the strength training side. Uh, when you're um, training your clients um, throughout their pregnancy, is there any particular joints um, or areas of the body that you would avoid stretching? So um, for me, um, I tend to avoid just stretching the lower back and uh, people's shoulders. Um, but is it similar um, with um, pregnant ladies? Yeah, I would say that I don't really do any low back stretching at all, because um, I, I usually find that low back pain 
or the knee to stretch is usually because there's restriction in the hips or like the thoracic spine. Um, so stretching those two seem to relieve a lot of that tension as opposed to the low back. Um, so sometimes the hips don't need as much mobility training as someone may think. Um, and sometimes if they're, if there's a, if they already have like pelvic girdle pain, so like their pelvis hurts, then doing more hip mobility can actually hurt them because then we're adding more instability to an already unstable joint. So if someone has like pelvic girdle pain, I would say like, you probably don't need to do a whole ton of like hip mobility. Um, places that I do really focus on is like the chest and the thoracic spine. Um, I would say like are my like biggest go-tos and that seems to relieve a lot of like that up back, upper back pain and even the low back pain by having that mobility in the thoracic. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that was um, a fantastic answer. Um, I don't know if you can see the video, but I spent a lot of time uh, nodding uh, throughout. <laughs> um, so um, I've got just uh, one more question today. Um, and it is just, is there any, um, so at this point, I like to just ask about mentors or anyone that you want to give a shout out to someone that's great coworker, maybe even your parents, husband, anything like that. Um, so yeah, um, Gina, any mentors you want to shout out? Oh, this is a lot of pressure. Um, well, I guess I should first like probably thank my husband <laughs> uh, for financially supporting me and my endeavors that were making that made us no money at first. <laughs> um, so he was really great to help me kind of bounce ideas off of and figure out what I was doing and supported me when I wanted to take all of these different courses to help build my business that was non-profitable at first. Um, in regards to like people that I learn a ton from, there's, there's so much on Instagram that it's crazy how much education you can get from Instagram all for free. Um, Sarah Duvall's course was amazing. Um, I learned a ton from that. Um, I'm trying to think of like other people, usually just physical therapists are like big goes to's. Um, uh, BirthFit is like, is kind of where I got my start. Um, Lindsay Muma, she's located in Raleigh here in North Carolina. And she's, she's probably the one person that really put me on this path. Um, and so I would definitely have to thank her. She's, she's the one that kind of instilled that mindset of, in me of, kind of being, uh, being okay with things not looking the way that I want them to at first as I'm healing, as I'm moving through my pregnancy, and was pretty much like probably the person who told me like, this is a path you should and you would do really good on it. Um, so I would definitely have to thank her and probably consider her a mentor of mine. Um, okay, that's great. Um, anyone else you want to shout out or are you uh, really happy with that answer? I guess I could shout out to my kids too, because they, they're probably the biggest influencers on this path that I'm on. <laughs> um, so for um, any of our um, listeners that want to um, check out your stuff, uh, where can they find more information about your services, um, the stuff that you put out there, your socials, everything like that? So it's pretty easy because everything is just Mama Stay Fit. My website is mamastayfit.com. My Instagram is mamastayfit. Um, and so, uh, it's just mama. So M A M A S T E F I T is my handle on pretty much everything to make it super user-friendly. Uh, we have online childbirth education courses that are all self-paced. They're all pre-recorded videos. So you maintain access for life. Um, there's a bunch of different options within those, depending on the type of birth that you're looking for. We have a birth workers course for professionals that are looking for more in-depth education on the physiology of pregnancy and childbirth. Um, we have fitness programming for both 
pre and postpartum fitness. Um, they're all strength and conditioning based because that's what I enjoy doing. And I assume that other people do too. Um, and I've had a lot of success with coaching women through these programs and having them feel a lot stronger. And um, most of them feel stronger and faster than they did pre-pregnancy, which is pretty cool. Um, so we have a lot of services online. If anybody is randomly located in North Carolina in the same town as us, feel free to come check out our gym. We do have a fitness facility um, with a ton of services in there. So yeah, everyone can email me too if you just really want to chat more. <laughs> and um, all those links uh, will be in the show notes as well. So anyone listening, just check those out, um, follow those, and then you can find out more about Gina's work. So Gina, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Heavy Metal Strength Coach Podcast. Yeah.